Thank you again for being here today. And like I told my class this morning, you know, this couple here, they're very special. And I, and I would say this, I, I stand here in front of them to say it, but I would say it to anyone because these two people are very special. They're two hardworking people. They're two people that love the Lord with all their heart. And I know that. And God is doing great things in this church. There, there, sometimes, you know, we want everything to happen at one time and the church to be filled plumb up. But God is bringing people to our church. God is bringing people here. And I appreciate these two people so much this morning. And uh, as we were talking this earlier, a few days ago, Brother Don, this incidentally, this is Don Webb. He's going to be our speaker today. He's a good friend of our pastor. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he has been with, Don is with the, the uh, staff member of the Tree of Life in Lynchburg, Virginia. And when Don was there, or while he was there, when he's there, he led the kids' ministry. And I forget how many kids that he has really uh, been able to lead to the Lord and, and experiences uh, through some very creative and, and innovative means. But Dave served eight years on the Discipleship Ministries Board with our pastor at the Appalachian Conference. And these two people are lifelong friends. So I don't know. that They may team up on us today. I don't know what they'll do. <laughs> But anyway, Pastor and Arn, sir, they consider it a great honor to have Don and Bill, that's his wife, uh, celebrating this special day with us. And we're looking forward to the word that he has to bring us today. So, Don, if you want to, if you want to come on, and we, we're, we're just great, we're excited about having you here today. Most of it pretty good. No, all of it's been pretty good. I hadn't heard one bad thing about it, but I know that your pastor um, and his wife love you because uh, it's just evident of that. So uh, thank you for inviting us to be here. It's beautiful up on this hill. And I will have to say that this is probably not been in church all my life. I was saved when I was six years old. And it's lasted. But this is one of the friendliest churches I think I've ever been in. I mean, you made us feel like family from the moment we stepped into the foyer out there. So thank you uh, so much for that. Now, as I said, that's my wife, Dale, over there. Isn't she beautiful? Wave at them, Dale, so they'll know you're not asleep. A couple weeks ago, we... We're fortunate enough to celebrate our 55th wedding anniversary. Can you believe? She's got to be a good woman, I'll say it for you, to stick with me for 55 years. Well, as Brother Barry said, we've known Pastor N.R. and Sister Sarah for a good number of years, and I was um, honored to be seated on the Discipleship Ministry Board, the Appalachian Conference, with him for eight years. And I was telling uh, uh, Dale 
I don't know, as long as I've known NR, I don't think that I have ever heard him preach. But I can tell you this. As long as I have known him, he has lived out a sermon to me. I found him to be a man of God, true to his word, a man of integrity. He doesn't have any hair, but he has integrity. He leads with tremendous faith, tremendous knowledge of God's word. He's just a great, great person. Otherwise, I don't see how Sarah could put up with him. But Pastor N.R. is, you know, I've always heard that there are two different kinds of people, encouragers and embalmers. And N.R. is an encourager. He's encouraged me uh, many, many, many times, and you're very blessed to have him as your pastor. I just hope that if, for Pastor Appreciation Day, if you got him a gift, that it would be a toupee. Because that light is shining really bright on into my face here this morning. But I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You invited me to be here, so here I am, and I'm just me, and I hope that you'll accept me the way that I am. But before I get into my message, uh, I won't keep you more than two hours. But before I get into my message, I just want to pray for you, Nora and Sarah. If you will allow me to do that. I'm not going to ask him to come up here. You can stay seated right where you are. But I will ask you to extend your hand this way. And if you're seated close enough to him and Sarah, if you would just move over and put your hand upon them and ask the Lord to bless them in a mighty, mighty way. So let's pray together as you extend your hand over there. Heavenly Father, precious God, Lord, we lift up pastors in our and Sarah before you with love and with gratitude. God, we thank you for their dedication, for their compassion. We thank you for their unwavering commitment to serving your people. God, as they guide and shepherd this congregation, we pray for your abundant blessings upon them. God, I pray that you will give them wisdom. I pray that you will give them discernment. I pray that you'll give them a deep understanding of your word. And may they be empowered by your spirit to stand against evil, to always preach truth, to lead with humility and inspire spiritual growth in this community. God, I ask you to give them both strength to withstand the challenges that they face, both within this church and in their personal lives. God, I ask that you protect their hearts from discouragement and protect their minds from doubt. God, I just ask you to fill them with your peace and your joy. Enable them to face every day with confidence in your plan. God, and refresh them every day and give them rest for their bodies. God, I pray that you'll continually renew their joy, their health, their love for each other and their minds and anoint them, Father. Bless them, strengthen them, guide them as they continue to faithfully serve you in this committee, community. God, I pray that they will continue to be instruments of your love and your grace in the lives of the people here in Blue Well and in the surrounding area. God, and, I, and may many be brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, your Son, through their ministry. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we pray. Amen. God bless you both. We love you so very much. Well, this morning I've chosen a scripture 
Actually, I didn't choose this scripture. I would say that God gave me this scripture. And, you know, don't get worried. I'm probably not like most preachers that, uh, that come, that come here and that you listen to. I'm probably not going to spit on anybody on the front rows. I'm probably not going to run the aisles or dance on the pews. I'm just me. And I, and again, I hope that you'll just allow me to be who I am. But God gave me this scripture. And I actually uh, asked him to give me another one instead. But he didn't. So here it is. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, I love that word suddenly. I've had a few suddenlies in my life. And I know that you have too. Suddenly. And God's word says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a Russian mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You know, the Lord has chose, chosen a number of different symbols to illustrate the, the nature and the mission of the Holy Spirit to us. The dove, water, fire, wind. The dove is a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of gentleness. It's a symbol of purity. It's a symbol of calm. And is the most common symbol, I think, of the Holy Spirit. When any Christian sees a picture or a dove, the first thing that we usually think of is not peace. And it's not sometimes, but we think of the Holy Spirit. I might remind you in the Old Testament, it was the dove that signaled the end of the flood. In the New Testament, when Jesus was being baptized, the Bible says, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Well, water symbolizes refreshing and satisfying. Rivers of living water symbolize the Holy Spirit's presence and the Holy Spirit's power as it's poured out upon Jesus' followers. How many of you know we are Jesus' followers? Well, fire is a symbol of purging. Now, I had to look that word up. But purging can be defined as getting rid of something unwanted. Something harmful, maybe something evil. There's a number of Old Testament passages that help us to better understand the um, Holy Spirit as fire in the New Testament. Primarily, fire represents the presence of God. As when Moses encountered God... At the burning bush. And then later, when God appeared in a pillar of fire to lead his children 
in the wilderness. This fulfills the promise of John the Baptist that this Messiah would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I want you to know that the purifying work of the Holy Spirit is still active in our world today. The Spirit comes into our lives, transforming us, changing us. Yes, changing us. You know you can't be saved and not be changed. It comes into our lives cleansing us and purifying us to become more like Christ in our everyday living. But now this is where it really gets interesting for me. I'm a visual person. Wind is a symbol that God chose to show us the active nature of the Holy Spirit. David asked, where can I go? From your spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? He said, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. He said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. He said, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your, <laughs> your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. We associate wind with movement. We associate wind with activity. And I'm sure up on this hill that that you've seen this and you realize this. But many times a strong wind will precede a storm or a heavy rain. And although it's invisible, it has a unique way. Of letting us know that it's there. You can't see the wind. But it's powerful enough to uproot huge trees. It's powerful enough. To pick up vehicles. To pick up houses off their foundations. And toss them through the air. As if they were nothing. As if maybe they were like Feathers. So, the question in my mind this morning, so why did God choose wind as a symbol of the unseen reality of the Holy Spirit? I believe that one reason is because of its unconfined reach. John said the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. And he goes on to say, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, it's futile to try to confine the Holy Spirit. To me, a good example of futility is you trying to put water into a bucket that's full of holes. It just wouldn't do you any good. That would be futile. You can't confine him to your likes. You can't confine him to your dislikes. Because just when you think that you have got him all figured out, he turns 
and moves in another direction. Personally, I would like to see the Holy Spirit move in in a visible and mighty, powerful way every time I come through the doors of the church. But fortunately, fortunately, He is going to move in whatever way and whenever way and however He may desire. He's unconfined. You can't confine Him to your theologies. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. His ways are not our ways. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My dad was Church of God preacher. And I've seen, I've seen things. Sometimes I like to say, I've seen things I just didn't understand. And I like to say that I've seen it all. But I'm pretty sure I haven't. Hopefully, there is more that I can witness. Because I want everything that God has for Don Webb. I want everything genuine that he has. I don't want anything fake or anything any anything false. But if it's true and it's of God, I want everything that I can get. Talking about things that I've never seen before and things that I have seen before. Dale, you will remember this, and I'm sure when we get in the car, you'll let me know that I didn't tell it exactly right. But I remember years, she's sweet, isn't she? I remember years ago, we have two daughters, and we had five children. Three of them are with Jesus. But years ago when my girls were little, we lived in Beckley, West Virginia. Y'all know where that's at? We lived in Beckley, West Virginia. God sent us there. We didn't want to go. But anyway, we were attending a camp meeting at the Raleigh County Armory in Beckley. Some of you might know, you might have been there. You might know where, I don't know if it's still there or not, but hopefully it is. But anyway, we were at a camp meeting there. It was an armory. The main floor of that armory had a balcony that I believe went all the way around uh, the balcony, at least most, uh, most of the way. And we were seated in the balcony, looking down onto the main floor. Well, there was a wonderful man of God by the name of Dr. Ray Hughes, and he was preaching Oh, that man could preach. And this day was no exception. Do you remember this? She said, yes. He was preaching, but all of a sudden, there was what I call a holy hush. That Have you all ever experienced a holy hush? There was a holy hush that came upon that field auditorium. The balcony was filled also. But it was a holy hush that came over the place. And after a moment or so, people spontaneously began to worship the Almighty God. 
Some people stood. Some people shouted. Some people danced. But almost everybody in that armory was praising God, glorifying Jesus. And all of a sudden, there came, I've never heard this before, never heard it since, but there came the sound of wind. I don't remember there being windows in that place. And the doors I know were closed. But there came a sound of wind into that auditorium. And when it did, that's when people started jumping and and dancing before God and praising God. And suddenly, there was a man that was seated in the balcony... Across from where we were, there was a rail that went around that balcony. And there was a man that was seated across from us. We hadn't noticed him before, but he got up on his feet and he came running around that balcony. And just as he got past us, he leaped over the rail of that balcony. My heart almost Stopped. I confess to you, it scared me. But he leaped over the rail of that balcony. And Sister Sarah, he landed safely on the bottom floor. And I looked, you know me, I looked to see if he was killed or injured or, you know, if the ambulance was coming, but he did not even fall. He kept running around that auditorium. Some people followed him. He was truly in the Spirit. Now, had he been in the flesh, don't ever, don't ever get into the flesh. But he was in the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're led by the Spirit of God, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you will always land safely. I'm not talking about jumping over balconies. I'm talking about if you have a decision to make and you're not able to make You don't think you're able to make the correct decision, the right decision? Here's what I do. I say, Holy Spirit, I'm not able to make the right decisions. I don't trust myself. I don't trust my heart to make the right decisions. You make it for me. And he has never misled me. He has always He's always been true. If you are led by the Spirit, you will always land safely. But my point is, telling you about this man, the Holy Spirit is going to move however he wants to. You know what? This comes to my mind. One of the most beautiful sounds that I have ever heard. I have not been able to do this yet. But one of the most beautiful sounds that I have ever heard was a saint of God in service singing in the Spirit. 
You ever heard anybody sing in the Spirit? Oh, you can't get better than that. And talking about things that you don't expect. I remember hearing about, most of you are too young probably to remember anything like this, but I remember hearing about way back when our churches weren't blessed with um, electric heating and things like that, and they had an old potbelly stove sitting in the congregation and in the middle of the church, and that's the way they heated the church. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you remember that, because NR probably would. But I remember them saying that they were called men and women dancing under the Spirit and under the power and under the influence of God Almighty. And they would dance up to that hot belly stove and without realizing it, touch that stove. You remember the story about the Hebrew children? They were thrown in the fire. And they would move away from that stove. No scorched clothing. No burnt places on them. You know why? You know why? Because of the Holy Ghost of God. Along that line, this thought comes to me. It's been far too long. It's been far too long since somebody left one of our services scratching their head and saying, what just happened? What was that? It wouldn't take them long to figure out that it was the Holy Spirit moving in an unexpected way. Well, you can't confine him because he reaches across boundaries and he reaches across boundaries of denomination. Sometimes a church, I don't mean this one, but sometimes a church with the word Pentecostal in its title might, might think that the Holy Spirit was just for them and them alone. Well, I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but they're a spirit-filled Baptist. They're spirit-filled Methodists and spirit-filled Presbyterians. They're spirit-filled people of God in almost any denomination that you could possibly name. And I'll tell you something else. We aren't the only ones and we don't have ownership of, of Him. But here's what I wanted to tell you. There's not a big Holy Spirit for adults and a little Holy Spirit for children. There's only one Holy Spirit. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that He is for us. For us. But it doesn't put a period right there. It goes on to say that He is for our children and He is for our children's children. Aren't you glad that our children are not left out of this experience? That they can have the Holy Spirit living in them also? 
I got news for you this morning, voice of praise. The dove has been uncaged, and the water, the fire, (laughs) and the wind of the Holy Spirit is still active today. He's unconfined. He's unconfined because he reaches across boundaries of race and economics. He's not just for the Eskimo and the Chinese. He's the helper to all of us, regardless of our race and regardless of our social status. Let me remind you of something. He reached into a prison. Yes, a prison. He reached into a prison where Paul and Silas were bound. They were bound, but they didn't stop praising. God didn't tell us to give thanks for everything. He says give thanks in every situation, in everything. They were bound, but that did not stop their praise. He reached over into Samaria where Philip was having a revival. He reached into an upper room where there were a 120 people waiting. And he wants to reach you this morning. He wants to reach me this morning right here in Blue Well, West Virginia. That's why you're here. You're not here by chance. You didn't come to hear me, that's for sure. But you're here because he designed it for you to be here. And he has the Holy Spirit available for you. Well, I believe that he chose the wind because of our unending reliability upon him. We need him. You know, science has proven that we can go weeks without eating. I know what you're thinking. It looks like I haven't, and I haven't. But science has proven that we can Go weeks without eating. We can go days without water. But we can't go but just a few minutes without air. Job said, in whose hand is the life of everything, every living thing, and the breath of all mankind. In Acts the Bible says, nor is he worshipped. I love this. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he, since he gives life, breath, and all things. And way back in the beginning, way back there in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed. Into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Job also said, the Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. You know the marked distinction between animals and man? Well, when God created the earth, He simply spoke the animals into existence. But when he created Adam, he carefully, he carefully formed them from the dust. 
And the Bible says he breathed. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. David said, do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take the Holy Spirit from me. You know, we have the very breath of God within us. He's the air that we breathe. It's in Him that we live. It's in Him that we breathe. It's in Him that we have our being. I loved Ezekiel's vision. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones? I can imagine standing knee deep in old dead bones. What a stink that must have been. But in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones, God asked, Son of man, can these bones live? And the Bible says in Ezekiel 37 and 5, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. But God began to breathe. God began to breathe. And the Bible says that the bones were resurrected into an exceedingly great army. God can breathe new life into the driest lives, the driest of bones. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your purpose? Are you weary from the race that you've been running? We all get weary from time to time. You know what happens? You know what happens? You don't join a race to quit just because you get tired. You join a race to cross the finish line. But you know what happens when you become weary? You lose your breath. You get out of breath. But I'm here to tell you that He can restore you. He can revitalize you. The Bible shows us in many places that God, as He lovingly shepherds and guides us, that He brings us to a place of rest. He brings us to a place of rejuvenation. He brings us to a place called restoration. David said that God made him lie down in green pastures. He can rejuvenate you this morning. He can, he can help you find again the joy of your salvation. He can breathe fresh new life into you. It was interesting to me that when Jesus was getting ready to go back up into heaven, that he turned to the disciples and here's what the Bible says. It's in John chapter 20 verse 22. He breathed on them. He breathed on them. 
And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Without the air of the Spirit, we are lifeless. We need Him. We must have Him. The problem is that some of us, now notice I said some of us, some of us are living on stale air. You know, any good air gets stale after a while. But before you can take in a new breath, there has to be an exhaustion of the old breath. We've got to let go of some things. We've got to let go. We can't hold on to them. We can't hold on to them. If we're holding on to them and Jesus comes, we're not going to get an email telling us Jesus is coming. We're not going, we're not going to get a text message saying, this is it. This is it. He's going to come when we think not. And we don't want to be holding on to something that is so heavy that it's going to weigh us down and we can't let go of gravity and rise up to meet him in the air. We've got to let go of some things. So the Holy Spirit has brought us many things. He brought us peace. He brought us comfort. He brought us joy and such, gentleness, so on. But there were some things that were dismissed out of the lives of the 120 when the Holy Spirit blew into the upper room. There were some things that were dismissed. What were they? What did the wind of the Spirit blow away? I believe that it blew away inconsistency. What an inconsistent bunch of men. An inconsistent bunch of people that lived with Jesus. And he left here to build his church. They were just like us. They were up one minute, down the next. Every time that something may not have gone their way, back to their fishing nets they went. Peter was confessing Christ one minute and denying him the next. The disciples were consistent at being inconsistent. But Jesus said to him, listen to this, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back. Is fit for the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us to remember Lot's wife. You remember Lot's wife? She disobeyed God. And she turned into a pillar of salt. I shouldn't tell you this. But there was one time when my wife, I love you. I do. There was one time, there was one time when my wife was driving our car and she looked back and turned into a bunch of trash cans that were sitting there. That was supposed to be funny. It's true, wasn't it? Sort of, something like that. Well, I believe that the wind of the Spirit blew away temper. Does anybody here have a temper? 
Peter cut off the high priest's servant's ear. The Bible says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The name of the servant was Malchus. James and John, remember them? They were called the sons of thunder because they had a temper. They wanted to burn up anybody that didn't believe. Matter of fact, the Bible says, and when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? I believe that the wind of the Spirit blew away jealousy. These men were possibly some of the most competitive men in the whole Bible. And oftentimes they became jealous of each other. Have you ever been jealous? You don't have to answer me out loud, but I mean, just answer. Have you ever been jealous? I have. Jealousy is not a good thing. Jealousy stifles you. Jealousy renders you ineffective. One time the disciples were getting ready to be seated at a table. And they were watching the other disciples as they took a seat. And they became jealous. And they asked the Lord, What side of you do we sit on, Jesus? One day... One day John was leaning against Jesus and some of the disciples saw him and Peter asked, what about him? I believe the wind of the Spirit blew away timidity. Before Pentecost, the disciples were not bold enough to witness. But after the wind blew, After Pentecost, they were bold enough to tell 3,000 people, you crucified Jesus. I believe that it blew away. (laughs) By the way, the Holy Spirit will take the chicken out of you. That was good, wasn't it? The Holy Ghost will take the chicken out of you. It blew away ineffectiveness and unbelief. They could not cast the devil out of a little boy. In Matthew chapter 7, well, let me read it to you. Am I going too long, Eleanor? And when they were come to the multitude, there came to them a certain man kneeling down and saying to him, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. And sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples. And they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? In other words, there's going to come a time when you've got to do it yourself. How long? Shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, over to the side, not in front of everybody, but over to the side they came, and they asked the question, why could not we cast him out? 
And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Are you facing a mountain? Is there a hill in front of you that you can't quite get up, that you can't cross over? After Pentecost, they raised a lame man in Acts chapter 3. I can see it now. There was an old man, probably as old as me, with a long beard. And he was shaking this little tin cup. Alms? Anybody got any spare change? And Peter passed by. And he said, I don't have any spare change. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the Bible says that he took his right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And here's what I like. There were witnesses. Some people saw this phenomenal, this phenomenal move of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, And all the people saw Him walking and praising God. Hallelujah! I'm getting ready to close, but listen, that same power is available and is free to anyone who wants it. All right, I said I was going to conclude. I've got a couple of the thoughts here. The wind of the Spirit is blowing again. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Just like the days of Pentecost. (laughs) The wind is blowing again. You know, regardless of how bleak the world looks, it's terrible. We're living in terrible times. But regardless of how things appear, the Holy Ghost is at work. In the world. And it's the job of the church to get on the same page as the Spirit. Not the job of the Spirit to get on the same page as the church. It was real good. Wasn't it real good? I think I'll say that one more time. It's the job of the church to get on the same page as the Spirit, and not the job of the Spirit to get on the same page as the church. Would you agree with me that times are rapidly changing? Every time you blink your eye, 
every time you turn on the news, something in our world has changed and mostly for the worse. But let, let us never forget that our God, the God that we serve, is not a God of repeat performances. But He is a God who is always working to make all things new. Even reimagining, even transforming, even revolutionizing the church. And He may not be doing it the way that you or I would think that He should be doing it. But the heavenly encounters and the throne room experiences in this hour that we're entering into, when I believe we shall see His beauty, we shall see His majesty, are like nothing that we have ever experienced before. Because Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Well, you better get ready for a new thing. You better prepare yourself for a new thing. There's a fresh wind blowing. The wind of the Spirit blows away those things that hinder our spiritual walk. It blows away bitterness. It blows away jealousy. It blows away unbelief. It blows away discouragement. It blows away unforgiveness. But I caution you this morning, voice of praise. I caution you. Be careful as you analyze the fresh move of God across our nation and around this globe. There are some people who believe there's not going to be a great revival. There's going to be a falling away. Well, read the Bible again. There has already been a falling away. And I believe, I believe there is going to be a great revival. I sense that the Spirit is working in fresh and energizing ways within individuals, within churches, in our college campuses, in our schools. Yes, even in our schools where Bible and Jesus and prayer are no longer desired. And in our communities, he's moving. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days. The last days. The last days. These are the last days. If... Pardon me just one minute, I have to do this. If you believe, if you don't believe that we're living in the last days, I'm gonna say that your elevator does not go all the way to the top floor. If you don't believe that we're living in the last days, I'm gonna say that your clock 
probably doesn't have all the numbers on it. If you don't believe we're living in the last days, I love you. If you don't believe we're living in the last days, you may be one bubble shy of plum. If you don't believe we're living in the last days, you might have splinters in the windmills of your mind. I'm not going to get to come back, am I? And let's get serious again. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Says God. If God says it, you can take it to the bank and you can cash it. Says God that I will Are we going to have a revival? That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How in the world is he going to pour his spirit out on all flesh if we're not going to have a great revival? I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, aren't you glad again that they're included? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions And your old men like N.R. shall dream dreams. And it won't be because of the pizza. Remember the former glory of just the last century or so. Azusa Street. The latter rain. The full gospel businessmen. The healing revivals of the 50s and the 60s. The charismatic movement. The Jesus people. Listen, hey guy, hey guy, that's, I'm not saying, hey guys, hey guys, hey guy, that's a book in God's Word. Hey guy, hey guy, chapter 2, verse 9. Here's what it says. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Whoa! Oh, whoa, we are in the latter house. We are living in exciting times. But don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. There's a wind blowing. And God's Word says, when you see these things, are we seeing these things? If we're not blind, when you see these things, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. I believe a great revival is going to be rained down, and I believe with all of my heart that it is beginning in our young people. This revival may not look like what you think it ought to look like, This revival may not smell like what you think it ought to smell like. This revival may have green and purple hair. It might not be pretty. Oh, wait. Did I just say green and purple hair weren't pretty? Please don't tell anybody I said that, okay? It might not be pretty, but the wind is beginning to blow again. 
and we may see some weird things that we haven't seen before. But we need to get on board if it's real. If it's a fresh and genuine move of the Holy Spirit, we need to get on board or else we may just get left out. But another caution to you here in Blue Whale. Be vigilant. Stay in the Word. Be aware that our enemy tries to copy. Be aware that the enemy is out to deceive. Be aware. Don't be afraid. Just be alert. Be aware that the enemy is, his job is not changed. He is still out to kill and to destroy. But I've got good news for you. If you have been covered by the blood of Jesus, if you have the Holy Ghost and fire, Living inside of you, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what is real and what is not real. So as we engage in a changing church culture, rather than being riddled with despair, rather than being riddled with anxiety and fear, let us ask God. To fill us to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and power, with discernment, with creativity, with innovation, with determination, the kind of spiritual vitality that it requires to navigate unchartered waters. A new awakening is on the horizon. We are living in the last days. And I want to be a part of this very important, genuine move of the Holy Ghost. Don't you? Don't you? So I'm I'm closing. Really I am. But I want to ask you a question. A very important, a very sobering question. What do you need the Spirit to blow out of your life this morning? Do you need to get rid of some things in your life that may be a hindrance to your walk with Jesus? Maybe you've never been saved. Do you need to seek forgiveness Do you need to rededicate your life to Christ? Maybe you have become weary. Do you perhaps need to lay down some not-so-good habits on the altar this morning? Do you need to be freed from bitterness? Do you need to forgive someone that you just really do not want to forgive? Maybe somebody's hurt you. Maybe the church hurt you. Oh, it wasn't the church that hurt you. We're just all humans. 
It was the enemy that hurt you. Do you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Here's the last scripture verse I'm going to give you. Right from Luke chapter 24 verse 49. The Bible says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye. Tarry ye until you be endued with power from on high. I don't know how you end your services. I don't know what you do. But I know that there are some things that all of us need to lay down. Need to let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow out of us so that nothing will hinder us from rising. Nothing could be worse than gravity lose its hold and we begin to float up into the air only so far and something is holding us down. How sad. How sad. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm your guest, so let me do this, okay? Rather than just say and lift your hand if you need something, I would like for everyone. That way nobody knows what you're coming up here for. But I'd like to ask everyone to just get up out of your seat and come to the front. Somewhere. And if you're able, find a place to kneel and tarry for a moment and let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow some things out of your life. Now, if you can't kneel down, sit on a pew somewhere. Sit on the front pew somewhere. But come, come and join the rest of the family around this altar this morning. And while the musicians are playing and singing, talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Let Him make things right. Right now. In the name of Jesus.